Hello and welcome back to our noontime check-in here on KBIA. Thanks for checking in with us. I'm Janet Saidi. Rural Missouri is no stranger to challenges and even disasters, tornadoes, floods, and droughts, to name a few. And that's just in the last couple of years. And while this coronavirus crisis has had a large impact on urban areas, rural communities are also feeling the reach of the virus day to day. And our small towns and farming communities were all Already vulnerable in some ways. The state's $88 billion agricultural industry has been under duress from trade wars with China and renegotiations of the NAFTA deal. Rural hospitals and clinics are already underfunded and vulnerable. And that's not to mention how rural economies in general have already been struggling to stay afloat thanks to mechanization, the brain drain of young people leaving their towns, and the lack of rural broadband. Now, across the Midwest, we can add to this, some meatpacking plants are closing and then reopening while their workers are at risk of contracting coronavirus. There's also a backlog of pork processing, keeping livestock on farms longer than usual, seed shortages are not uncommon, prices at the grocery store are in flux, Add that to the challenges of teaching kids who are at home from their schools that already have limited internet access. There's an awful lot going on in our small towns and rural communities as they combat the impact of this coronavirus. So today we're talking about that impact and how our rural communities and the resources people are needing in our rural areas to get by. Our guest is Marshall Stewart, the Vice Chancellor for Extension and Engagement at the University of Missouri. He's also the UMC. Systems Chief Engagement Officer and works with a network of county offices and specialists across the state to help build programs that are going to help Missourians from all of our communities across the state. So we look forward very much to talking to Vice Chancellor Stewart over this uh, program. And you can join us. Are you living in a rural area that needs help right now? What does uh, your town need during this crisis? What are you seeing? Maybe you're a producer or your business needs better internet, or you need resources to connect consumers to your product. If you're in a rural town or area, let us know what's going on with you from all of these different edu- uh, angles, education, farming, uh, health care. We want to hear what's going on with you in your town. Before we get into that, though, let's check with KBIA health reporter Sebastian Martinez Valdivia. He uh, is going to discuss his recent reporting covering meatpacking plants in Missouri. He's been covering this a lot. Sebastian, welcome to the check-in. Thanks. So we were just saying you've been following outbreaks at some of the meat processing facilities. One of the more tragic stories, actually, that's unfolding here in Missouri and in our rural areas. First of all, we should ask, are there any new hotspots that have popped up with this? For the most part, uh, up until um, this past week or so, I've been covering the major outbreak in St. Joseph um, related to the Triumph Foods plant. And that Buchanan County is now up to 543 cases, um, a majority of which are related to that. Um, But last week, uh, the the state carried out testing at a Smithfield plant in Milan, Missouri, um, and some of the results from that have come in. And so we've seen a spike in cases in Sullivan County, which is where Milan is and where the plant is located, and then also in neighboring Adair County, which is Kirksville. Um, And there's a craft plant there, but also a lot of the people who work at the Milan plant uh, live in Adair County. So uh, in Sullivan County, um, they have 
uh, 37 active cases now. That went from one active case last Monday uh, to 36 a week later. So that's been a big increase. Um, and then in Adair County, they have 20 active cases. Um, that's gone up by double digits over that same week as well. Uh, and they said that 19 is related to meat processing plants. So there's the Smithfield plant in Milan. There's also a Kraft Heinz plant in Kirksville um, that has confirmed the presence of the virus. Um, so north central Missouri seems to be the next uh, big hotspot. But again, uh, that's related to testing. Um, they hadn't done extensive testing uh, at the Smithfield plant uh, in, in Sullivan County until last week. They did that testing, and now we have a lot of cases. But workers at that plant had told me um, previously that they thought they'd seen people with symptoms, um, and there was just a lot of confusion about accessing testing. Um, so now that they've done this big comprehensive testing, they have a lot of cases. Um, closer to home in Adair County, um, they have, um, oh, not sorry, I, I just said Adair County are confused because Audrain County uh, oh, yeah. is the other county uh, that's mm -hmm. a, a lot closer to us, mm -hmm. uh, and, and they've had a little bit of a flare-up uh, related to uh, a hog farm there, so not a processing mm -hmm. plant, but a, a hog farm where I think they've uh, had under under 10 uh, new cases, but um, that's that's the only other flare-up that, that I've seen. Uh, Sebastian, it, you and it looks like these businesses have been looking largely to the state and their recommendations and policies for this. Uh, what has the state's response been so far? Yeah, so the state has, has pitched in to do this kind of comprehensive testing at a couple plants. So Smithfield was the latest one. They did that at Triumph as well that revealed the hundreds of cases there. Uh, and, and so essentially that, that's been uh, the state's role is, is, is kind of um, – jumping in to do these tests when when they're requested um, and going forward they they kind of anticipate doing that as well so in addition to the comprehensive testing at the plants they've also done some community testing which is just open registration for for anyone uh in, in the county um can ask for a test essentially um, so it's not directly tied to the plants but they've done in, in a couple counties that have had outbreaks um, so Saline County was one where they did that a few weeks ago. Um, they did testing in Buchanan County um, as well uh, last week, kind of following up on, on that, mm -hmm. or this weekend, kind of following up on the Triumph outbreak. So that's what they've done so far, and they say that they kind of plan to continue doing that sort of community testing. Um, but what they're trying to move towards is something that they call sentinel testing. And so that's really comprehensive testing of people um, who, you know, aren't necessarily showing symptoms, but um, specifically centered on these potential hotspots. So meat processing plants are one, uh, long-term care facilities are another. Uh, and, and so that's going to involve um, the traditional testing that they've done so far, which is PCR testing. That's, that's the swabs. Um, that's what most people are probably familiar with. Um, as well as antibody testing, um, just so that they can get a kind of continual picture of um, infection at these potential hotspots and uh, to try to, you know, box in any potential outbreaks before um, they get really bad. All right. We're talking with Sebastian Martinez Valdivia here on the check-in about his reporting on the meatpacking plants and coronavirus outbreaks there. He's been following these. Uh, we're also going to be talking over the, this program with Vice Chancellor Marshall Stewart about rural communities and small towns and the challenges that you're facing, whether it's business, education, health care. Sebastian, uh, we'll let you get back to reporting, but I just have to ask, your last report um, from St. Joseph started with the feelings of a, a worker there who said he was scared to go to work. And I know that families of these meatpacking plant workers have got involved and were asking for action. What are you hearing from the workers at these plants? Yeah, so I 
actually managed to speak last week with a worker at a Smithfield plant uh, at the Smithfield plant in Milan who tested positive uh, for COVID-19. And they were telling me that, you know, they had had a headache um, before when they were going to work, but they assumed it was because of the face masks that they were now required to wear. Uh, And so once the testing became available, um, they were tested, they tested positive and they've been uh, quarantining since. Uh, but they told me essentially a, a really similar thing, that they, they felt that the plant didn't actually really care about the workforce and didn't do anything until there was actual media and public pressure um, to, to make some of these changes. And that Smithfield plant specifically was the subject of a lawsuit. Um, and a lot of the changes that it made happened subsequent to that lawsuit, although Smithfield says it wasn't because of the lawsuit. Um, but, yeah, so it, that, that's been kind of the consistent feeling that I've gotten from, from the workers that I've talked to is, fear and then also the feeling that their employers don't actually care that much about their safety. They're just trying to protect themselves um, from either public criticism or litigation um, in, in terms of some of these worse outbreaks. But that's that's kind of the impression that I've gotten. Okay. Sebastian Martinez Valdivia, thank you so much for your reporting. Thanks for checking in with us today. And uh, we'll continue to watch for your reporting on KBIA.org. Thanks. Thanks, Sebastian. All right. Now on to our topic of the day. We are talking today about the many crises and challenges facing rural communities and also how they're finding workarounds and solutions. And uh, we will continue the meatpacking discussion. It's one of many uh, crises and many challenges that are facing our rural towns and communities right now. Vice Chancellor Marshall Stewart, thank you so much for being on the check-in today. Well, thank you for having me today. It's it's a pleasure to be with you. So let's start basic. A lot of your job involves overseeing outreach and extension across the state with many of these communities. And we've been listing the challenges they're facing. What what do you do with extension on on these challenges? And what are you hearing in your offices about uh, what people are facing right now? Well, I probably would take the second part of the question first is what okay. we're hearing and then what we do. Uh, if okay. I could flip that around, uh, what, what we're hearing across the, the state as it relates to COVID-19 is uh, not not surprising. There, there's really three categories of things that I really think about or, or hear about a lot. One of them deals with the uncertainties or the, in, the insecurities. And, and those insecurities or uncertainties really are around the areas of finance with so many people uh, finding themselves out of work right now or uncertain about their work. And then also not only the financial piece of that, but also food insecurity Mm. is a huge issue in in many of our communities. And many people are facing that for the first time. We've seen uh, the run that you saw in terms of concerns around uh, uh, having enough uh, protein in the grocery store, meat in the grocery store, things like that. So you you do see some of those issues. So, So the insecurities are one area. Another area that you mentioned earlier as you were starting the show today, was around K-12 education. And what is it gonna mean for young people, in particular students that are in communities where maybe they don't have broadband access or the the best of connectivity? And what is this gonna mean to their learning for this last uh, couple months and how will that affect them long-term? So the K-12 piece, I think is an important one that a lot of us are concerned about and certainly our folks are. And then the the last thing that you hear a lot about, especially in outstate Missouri, and it's uh, been there for quite some time, but I think it's beginning to even be more of a concern is rural mental health. Uh, that's going to be an issue that as these things begin to come up in terms of finance and food and K-12 education, you're going to see more and more people uh, needing help and assistance in that area. So what, what we do when we see these things happen is our folks are very nimble at pivoting uh, toward what needs to be done. 
Uh, for instance, in food insecurity, some of our faculty quickly came up with a solution called the Missouri Food Finder, which is a great tool uh, that has just caught great uh, interest in the state where we are connecting online. If people Google Missouri Food Finder, they'll go right to it. But it connects the producer and the consumer together for people that want to get fresh uh, vegetables or or get to uh, those that are, are growing our protein in our food system, they can get to that. So that's been a great win. Uh, we've had great uh, success with our College of Arts and Sciences here, uh, providing telehealth, rural mental health, uh, mm-hmm. which is now something that's accessible by citizens in small town and rural areas of Missouri, which has certainly been a great asset. And I have to give a lot of thanks to our faculty in arts and sciences, as well as folks in extension who have worked for some time on this issue. And to have this kind of collaboration certainly reaches out and helps our communities. Uh, We find great partnerships. Our College of Education is doing terrific work uh, in terms of trying to put good tools in the hands of parents and teachers and students uh, to help enrich their learning environment. So Catherine Cheval and the College of Education here has done a great job, as well as 4-H, which is known by extension folks certainly across the state. 4-H has gone virtual and we are finding new audiences and uh, we find families that have never had their children participate in 4-H are now reaching out to us saying, hey, I want to learn more. How can I use this as a tool for enrichment? So again, what our folks are doing is pivoting toward where the needs are on a very, really on a dime to really make that happen. I'm really proud of our folks and how they've gone from mostly face-to-face or a lot of face-to-face interaction to more virtual but it's uh, something that was needed. And and what we pride ourselves on is being a land-grant university here at Mizzou that really pivots when needed to the needs of the state and the needs of the people of the state. All right. That's a lot and a lot to talk about. Let me just remind our listeners you are listening to The Check-In. Thanks for checking in on KBIA. We're talking with Marshall Stewart, the Vice Chancellor for Extension and Engagement at the University of Missouri. And we're talking about rural response to crisis and the resources that are out there and those that are needed. What do you want to tell us? We'd love to hear from you. Are you a business owner? Um, who's closed down temporarily in a small town? Are you a food producer struggling to move products? Are you a plant worker, maybe, or the family of one? We're talking about all of these issues, many, many concerns. We're also going to explore some solutions in rural towns and in our rural communities today. Bring us uh, your comments, your questions for Marshall Stewart. Let's take a call, um, Vice Chancellor Stewart. We've got Tim calling from uh, out here in mid-Missouri. Tim, thanks so much for checking in. What's your question or comment? Hey, first, Janet, I got to say, your show has just been amazing. I mean, I actually timed my lunch break around your show. Oh, okay? thanks so, for saying that. Well, thanks for joining really us. For a lot of us out here. So I'm a healthcare provider in Columbia, and I live in Minnesota, um, in a rural area, so I've kind of seen all this. And in terms of the hotspot things, like they're talking about in your news breakout, you know, for those of us who, who kind of live out here and provide healthcare out here, it's no surprise. I mean, those meatpacking plants, you know, you'd have to be living in a hole to not understand the poor health uh, and safety records that these companies have, you know, and, and so they, they have these jobs that, that have sub-living wages and then and pack these people in there, and, and they're replaceable. They can't take off work because they're sick. They'll get fired, you know, because there's people lining up to take their place that live in the same fairly crowded communities because they're not provided with a reasonable wage. Um, so, you know, that's point number one. Yes. So it's no surprise. Uh, right. yeah. Number two um, is there's a tremendous amount of information about transmission back and forth between swine and humans in terms of viral illnesses. Influenza, great example. Swine influenza, you know, it's, it's no mistake that name comes from that. Um, MRSA, things like that. So 
Mm-hmm. I cannot find, and I've been looking for a couple of weeks, and I was wondering if the vice chancellor had any information. I'm going to, who is checking this wine okay. for coronavirus? All right. Thanks so much, Tim. Um, why don't you stay on the line for a minute while we get um, Vice Chancellor Stewart's answer? Um, but yes, I agree. You're asking about this. You say you're, you've been seeing it coming. It's like so many things, a landslide we've been watching kind of come toward, toward us. And it's such a shame that this is now impacting so many of these essential workers. Well, and they won't let the health departments in these places. You know, mm-hmm. our, our government writes laws that, that, that don't allow the health departments to supervise these places. Is that ridiculous? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a that's a whole interesting issue, but, and thank you for bringing that up, uh, Vice Chancellor Stewart. Uh, we're going to keep Tim on the line here for uh, your comments on this. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, there, there's a lot of entities involved in this. So we have great uh, specialists that work, and and researchers that work, obviously, in all these industries of animal agriculture, and do a terrific job of being great stewards and ensuring that. Uh, they uh, companies or individual growers or and certainly the public has research-based information. So we're really careful about that. And what we provide is an unbiased view of that in terms of a land-grant university. That's what we do. We look at the science and we follow the science. In terms of some of the questions that relate to regulatory issues and things like that, that you know, that's not really our space. Uh, not to avoid the question, but it's just not our space. We don't. What we do is provide the information. We make sure that health officials and others, uh, whether it be human health, animal health, community health, whatever, have that information, and we try to do our very best to be good stewards of that, ensure that that happens. So. It's a complicated question. It's certainly a, a, a valid question, but it's one that we are very mindful of our role and our lane, and we provide the best information we possibly can to ensure that the public is informed, that those that are in business or those that are in regulatory areas are informed. And we do that with a coalition, not only here at Mizzou, but other land-grant universities and other institutions around the state and around the country uh, to really make sure that people have the science-based uh, information they need to make good decisions that are best informed and, and hopefully, again, make good decisions for the local consumer and the local citizen in the state. So uh, well, you know, go sorry, ahead, Tim. That sounds good, but that is just factually incorrect. I'm a health care provider who's worked with our local health department out in the counties, and we cannot access that information on how many patients do they have and providers that, or whether employees that have MRSA infections. You know, how much antibiotic are we using in these places? That, that information is tied up tightly with these companies, and it does not get out, even to the entities that need to know, like health departments. It, it is not. I've been trying for months to get some of that information, and it is not accessible. Yeah. So, Tim, your question, it sounds like, is about getting this information to the right people, the healthcare information, to the people that need it. Uh, Marshall, any response to that? Well, again, it's it's an area that really falls over on the regulatory side of things, and I think there. There are certain people that, that deal with that. One of the things I would encourage folks to go to that we do provide that's publicly available is something called allthingsmissouri.org. If you go to that site, it's something that uh, we shepherd here and we provide, again, a lot of data. There's a COVID-19 uh, a box there that you can click, and it gives you tremendous amounts of data and insight into what's going on at the community level. Uh, I know here in, in Columbia, for instance, the city of Columbia just came out with some new stuff uh, actually yesterday. Uh, tracking, uh, the, again, a lot of things for COVID-19, but it, as it deals with the university, I encourage you to go to allthingsmissouri.org and, again, click on that box. Again, it gives you the best research information, all the data that we have available that we can share with the public that's available. We share everything we have, so uh, anything that we can get to you, we'll be glad to share with you in that way. Okay. It sounds like uh, 
Marshall, the role of extension is is maybe if even if it isn't so much at the front end of making some of this information, crucial information about health and staying safe to people, it's, you're dealing with the impact on a lot of these things, I think. Um, Tim, let me thank you for your question and thanks for making the check-in part of your day. We really appreciate always hearing from healthcare providers, especially. So uh, best of luck to you. Hope you can stay safe and thanks for joining us. Yeah, and, and thank you for your show. It has just been fabulous. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Take thanks. care. Uh, let's take another call, uh, Vice Chancellor Stroh. We've got Alice calling from Columbia. Alice, thanks for your call. What's your question or comment for us today? Um, thanks. First, I want to thank the Vice Chancellor. Extension has always been so important, so important to rural communities, all communities across our state. He mentioned uh, doing this kind of work on a dime, and that is true. But there's another organization, so our local health departments, that work on a dime. We have 50th in funding across our state. When they talked about testing in, I think, Saline County, all the meat the workers at the meat plant, it was the local health department that were the boots on the ground. The state assisted, but it was the local health department would be my guess. When the CARES Act gave funding to the state of Missouri and then the state gave to the state health department, sir, they did not give a dime to our local health departments during this crisis. I don't believe that has been corrected yet. So I would put in a plug for the vice chancellor to talk to our governor to make sure our local health departments have the resources to continue their critical work during this period and always. If you ask someone in a rural community who's important to their health, they will mention that local health department. So that was kind of my statement and plug. Alice, thank you so much for making this very important point. We've heard this before. It's a tension that's there about the CARES Act funding, making sure it gets to the health care providers uh, who can manage their work and their messages. Uh, Vice Chancellor Stewart, any comments on this? Well, I just say that we certainly value the great work that our health departments do. Uh, certainly, we're all in this together. There's a lot of, I was actually on a call yesterday with a number of nonprofits and other leaders across the state really talking about how we, again, join forces and work closely together and share information as best we can. So there's a lot of collaboration going on, but I certainly hear the need. And uh, I believe that, you know, there's a lot of work going on by a lot of folks to try to alleviate those kind of things and hopefully uh, make funding available where it's most needed to help with this kind of services she's related to. All right, Alice, thanks again for calling in. We appreciate the call. Take care. Sure. All right. Uh, Vice Chancellor Stewart, you're getting hit with some really uh, big <laughs> questions here. Let me ask you something, too. That is also a big question, but it's a little bit more of a, a general one. Um, my great-grandmother and um, her son, my grandfather, both relied on regular visits out on our um, Century Farm mm -hmm. um, just outside of Centralia, um, regular visits from Extension. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's just something that was part of their history and part of their stories of our farm. So I know Extension has always been a feature in farming and rural life. Um, how has the role of Extension changed? Well, we still have a tremendous presence in agricultural extension, which is what you're talking about. Uh, we have tremendous faculty across the state that work in ag agronomy or work in livestock in a number of areas, agribusiness, and uh, just really make a difference in those communities. Uh, the beauty of extension, though, is it is uh, has a breadth to it that allows us to uh, reach across the entire institution now. And so we have uh, relationships with virtually every college, school, unit on the campus. 
what we believe is that you want to make, make all that uh, information, that knowledge that comes out of whether it's a college of education, college of medicine, college of law, college of agriculture and food and natural resources, or whatever that aspect may be, we want to make sure that it gets out to the people of the state. So uh, very committed to those historical roots you're talking about, whether it be in agriculture, 4-H, community development, nutrition education, uh, business development, those kind of things. But we also have this opportunity to really ensure that the institution uh, really reaches out and serves the, uh, as best we can all 6 million Missourians. And so uh, that uh, DNA is in us, and we will continue to do that as we go forward to try to make sure that we serve Missourians as we should as, a, as an institution of higher education. All right. Let me remind listeners, you're listening to The Check-In on KBIA. We're talking with Vice Chancellor Marshall Stewart on extension and engagement at the University of Missouri. We're talking about rural response to crisis and the resources that are needed. Um, we've been hearing some really good questions from callers about health care, about uh, the health crisis with the meatpacking plants, um, how our CARES Act funding can and should be spent uh, in our rural areas. Uh, let us know what's on your mind. Um, are you a plant worker or family that's concerned? concerned about safety, a food producer, maybe you're an educator in these rural areas or healthcare worker. Let us know what's going on with you. We can't cover everything, but we've got a couple more minutes here and we can get your comment or question in with Vice Chancellor Stewart um, here in the next couple of minutes if you want to join us. Um, Dr. Stewart, you mentioned a couple of the challenges that you see and are really working on with Extension as food insecurity, um, education, and then also mental health. Um, and then our callers have, callers have brought up a couple of other issues regarding health. Um, what solutions would you say Extension is exploring right now that you're excited about with these issues? Yeah, well, I think, I think we're, you know, again, uh, this is great because it does, again, gives us that kind of feedback. And so we welcome those questions. And I think they are difficult questions, but they're questions that certainly people have on their minds and having these forums it's really important uh, examples that we're doing though that i think people may find interesting we we also have as a part of our portfolio the small business technology centers they've been doing a tremendous amount of work with small businesses doing webinars across the state and they could be an agricultural business or it may be a, a manufacturer whoever uh, helping them figure out how to get back to uh, a sort of a routine of work now how do you bring businesses back online so a lot, a lot of work going on there. We also have people working in personal financial education, uh, doing tremendous work, again, helping people think about how you go through the process when you're suddenly displaced worker or an unemployed worker. How do you get back into the workforce? Working on workforce development training programs, those kinds of things. So there's just a lot. And one of the things we're actually doing uh, this week uh, on uh, actually, on May 21, uh, tomorrow, we'll be doing a business roundtable. Uh, I'm bringing together the deans of business and law, not only here at Mizzou, but also at the other universities in the system, uh, the University of Missouri system, to have a conversation at noon around uh, business and, and how we get back to business. So, again, we're trying to live out what we believe is the intent of an institution like Mizzou, which is to be, again, public-facing and public-serving. And if folks are interested in, in tying into that, it's a public uh, forum, and we'd love to share that and make sure people can, again, take advantage of that particular roundtable to Martin Noon. All right. Thanks for plugging that. And uh, Marshall Stewart, we're almost out of time. Uh, one question I really wanted to, to get from you, and we'll just have to have you come back so that we can start with this question. But in the next 20 seconds or so that we have, can you just tell me um, your, a little bit about your story, if you can put it in just a few seconds? How did you get into this? Do you come from a rural community yourself? Absolutely. I grew up in rural eastern North Carolina. I okay. uh, came here four years ago. 
Uh, I was at North Carolina State University, uh, involved heavily in extension and outreach work there, and uh, had the opportunity to come here and have thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Missouri is a wonderful place, and uh, we are very happy to live here in Columbia, Missouri, and serve 114 counties in the city of St. Louis through MU Extension. Well, you did it in 20 seconds. <laughs> Thank you so much, Vice Chancellor Marshall Stewart, for joining us and checking in with us today. Please take care. Thank you. All right. That's it for today's check-in. Thanks again to Marshall Stewart for joining us. Thanks also to Sebastian Martinez Valdivia and his exhaustive coverage of all things to do with this crisis in mid-Missouri and health. And you can follow his reporting at KBIA.org. The check-in's produced by Christopher Husted and me with KBIA News Director Ryan Famuliner, also Zia Kelly and Hannah France. Tomorrow we're checking in with our faith communities. How are you gathering with your faith group and how is faith getting you by? We'll be here then, same time, same place. I'm Janet Saidi. Stay well and stay in touch.